Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. We've been running for five odd years, speaking to some of the world's greatest guitar players. Thanks so much for joining me for episode number 174. Now today I am joined by Miranda Deutsch. Now Miranda is a great exponent of the gypsy jazz guitar style. She's based in Brisbane, Australia, but has spent time in Europe and has shared the stage with some of the greatest exponents of gypsy jazz. Not only is Miranda a wonderful guitar player and teacher, she's a real community builder and I know you're going to really enjoy today's interview. Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Miranda Deutsch, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great to have you on the show. Now, a little bit of background. The last time we spoke to a gypsy jazz guitarist would have been Cameron Jones back in 2019. And I know you guys have crossed paths sometimes, um, but it's great to have another uh, person immersed in the style on the show. Let's, um, can we go, let's go back with you. I understand you got into the, the style re- relatively early in your guitar playing career what was your your gateway into gypsy jazz uh basically i was studying at uh studying jazz at the conservatorium in brisbane and i just wasn't playing music with anyone there was a you know ensemble at uni but i just felt a bit disheartened with the whole thing and i deferred and yeah kind of just had a bit of a (laughs) mini crisis what am i doing and then um yeah just wandered up the road to my local cafe one night for the Sunday music night and got chatting to one of the guitarists there and he invited me to a gypsy jazz jam because he knew that I um, knew the jazz chords I could play jazz and that's essentially what gypsy jazz is it's jazz just you know played on stringed instruments uh, so yeah I went along I was super nervous but it was just such an awesome vibe we just drank coffee hung out play guitar all afternoon and and because I had that experience with you know knowing how to read charts I just I kind of fell into it and just fell in love with it straight away it was it provided or it just um, fulfilled this desire for a music community as well there seems like there's a really cool vibe in um I mean obviously in Europe but in Australia there's there's a really cool scene which I know you're uh, intrinsically part of here as well yeah, for sure. Um, Brisbane, obviously, that's um, where I'm hanging out all the time. So it's, I do find it really, really, really active, super warm, super welcoming. You, I mean, pre all of this crazy world stuff at the moment, you know, we could just rock up at a gig and, you know, 
probably know about 15, 20 people, musicians and non-musicians that had come to the gig and, you know, no prior arrangement. Hey, meet, let's meet at this gig. They're just, they're just there. So it, it's a very small scene, I think, you know, compared to other genres. It's kind of, you know, a sub-genre and um, not super popular, but um, surprisingly, because it's, it's so enriching and so much fun and pretty grassroots. But once people have a little taste of it, it just feels good. It just fulfills um, not just the music side of things, but the community, um, yeah, the social um, stuff as well. Yeah, cool. I love that. There's, um, there are, again, outside of the pandemic, there's a bunch of jams and things that happen in Sydney as well. Again, I guess, you know, Cameron's got his, his foot in that camp down here. Um, and of course, the uh, the Osmanouche Festival is um, is always a fantastic thing too, which I think is in your hometown these days as well. Yeah, that's um, always been in Brisbane, and we're coming up to the sixteenth year. Last year was a little weird, you know, um, absolute, you know, crazy restrictions on numbers. But um, yeah, I've probably played most years. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the first year I played Gypsy Jazz was. Um, the first year that the Osmanouche Festival was on. So I really kind of fell into it around the same time it, um, the vibe just kind of started building, I guess. Still, you know, tiny, tiny amounts of people, but really, really enthusiastic. It's this, I find it a really um, geeky style of guitar, which just, you know, cause it's, not, it's not easy. Mm. It's not easy. It, um, it's a journey and, you know, even the rhythm guitar, like I would call myself a rhythm guitar specialist as opposed to a lead guitar specialist, even though I will play lead at gigs and solo and everything. Yeah. Um, but just, yeah, the Osmanouche, I guess, provided that first uh, foot into the, the wider community of Australia because, you know, you've got people flying in from, you know, all states and just the absolute <laughs> dedicated of the dedicate. And so, you know, when you do go to these other states, these other cities, you can call people up, you know, hang out, have a jam, uh, go to a gig. You know, it, it really is that small that mm-hmm. um, we just stick together. Can you give us some historical context of this Sinti tradition? Yeah, so um, way back when, I wouldn't even attempt to <laughs> say how far back, but, um, you know, the, the gypsies travelled, uh, or, or Roma, um, travelled and just basically were, were forced to stay nomadic. I, I, it could have been a um, also a, a part of who they are, you know, part of their essence as well, I'm not sure, but they, they travelled, you know, through a lot of the world and really divided up into two groups, um, which are the Sinti and then the Roma. So the umbrella term I I believe from my understanding is is Roma, but the Sinti are the um, communities that settled in places like France, Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, and Belgium is where Django was born. Okay. And he ended up in Paris. Um, so he, the, you know, the finger thing that that was a caravan fire. So his wife was making these plastic. Uh, plastic flower bouquets the caravan caught on fire and a lot of his one of um, the left side of his body was burned and I believe that he well David Reinhardt Django's grandson 
told us when I, um, I was in a workshop with him a couple of years ago in France, he said that he actually lived with a lot of pain that he didn't really share or complain about. It was just constant. Um, and, you know, all, so the, the, there was that hand deformation. And, um, yeah, he, he managed to, to recover and become this crazy, amazing guitarist that we're still all obsessed with. So many guitarists from so mm. many genres will still cite him, him as an influence and inspiration because his um, virtuosity, but also just overcoming, um, you know, that, that accident. Um, yeah, so he um, popularised, I mean, the, this, this guitar style, I guess, was popularised in the 1930s because Django fell in love with jazz. He heard the American jazz and he was playing guitar, so he just naturally played it on guitar. And then he got together with a bunch of other musicians who played stringed instruments. They rehearsed, they rehearsed, they rehearsed, and then just, you know, bam, just put it out into the world and everyone went nuts for it. And people still go nuts for it today. I think it's it's just something about that those stringed instruments. It's really special and unique sound, you know, when we're talking about jazz and it's just got that acoustic sound which when you hear it live or you're at a jam and there is no amplifier again those vibrations just I don't know I don't know what they do to me but it's super special and I'm <laughs> addicted to it <laughs> at the same time I mean in America we've got this this huge swing explosion but I guess as you've noted that the um the synthy music is more around the strings more around the guitars and the violin Whereas the uh, the big band explosion in in the states is more about these big bands, big brass bands kicking it out. So it's an interesting contrast in uh, in in the virtuosity that was coming out in these very different scenes, very different parts of jazz. Yeah, that's why it was. Um, I guess it really stood out. And Django travelled to the US and played with a lot of the uh, amazing bands and band leaders they really they knew (laughs) they knew he could uh, cut it with them yeah there's lots of awesome photos of him hanging out with yeah just all all the top jazz cats of the time Uh uh-huh that's that's very cool yeah can you explain the difference in guitars so you play you'll play an acoustic guitar in this style but it's not it's not set up the same way as like a flat flat top dreadnought will be set up for example or and the bridge is radically different yeah. what, what are the main differences in in the instrument itself yeah you're probably talking <laughs> talking to the wrong person <laughs> to talk about um <laughs> the, the specs the tech specs of the guitars but I'll, I'll i'll do my best so um yeah we've got what's called a floating bridge and i'm not sure what material it's made of but it looks like brass and it basically the idea is that we're trying to get um your your arm off the body your hand off the body we don't want flesh touching the body we don't want you know excess wood or um anything touching the body because these instruments were designed to be played when there wasn't much amplification around it was all about you know getting maximum acoustic sound so yeah we've got that floating bridge the string composition is different for me there the sound of it is the biggest thing I can probably talk about because of the technique of how they get played. So 
again, we're trying to maximise your volume. So the attack of your right hand is super important. Uh, you know, we're playing a little bit closer to the bridge, I think, to intensify the harmonics. Or, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how to explain that, but it's, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, find, I, I don't know, I can't, honestly, and it's, maybe some people will be offended, but when I play a dreadnought, I'm just like, mm, no. <laughs> It's hard to explain. It's hard. It's hard to explain. And I know I'm talking to a, a podcast with uh, probably Dreadnought lovers, lovers, lovers. But yeah, there is, you just got to jump on it and you'll just jump on one, one day if you can. And you really will, uh, I think, be wowed by the, the different sound. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I mean, the tonal idea is, is yeah, totally, totally different. So I, I was lucky enough to attend a workshop this week which you hosted sort of on fundamentals or some basics on, on the style and it was so fun and that whole idea of projecting, like you, you explained that so well and, and the right hand, again for all of us right hand players, I was, it was such an eye-opener that the right hand technique was very different to all the rock and, and other styles I've played whereas you know your, your hand and your forearm are pretty much got a constant angle Whereas in in this the rhythm style you're teaching, and I know we're on a podcast, I'm showing my hand to you on the on the Zoom meeting. Obviously, no one at home can see yeah. this, but there's quite a quite an angle with that um, with the forearm and the right hand, and that that helps with. Am I right in saying the projection of the instrument, but also keeping your arm off the body so the the instrument's resonating as much as possible. Yeah, so um, that helps with, I guess, getting closer to the bridge, which is gives up, um, the tone a little bit more of that traditional style. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely gets the hand off the body and the arm off. And yeah, it, it basically we've we've got to go pretty fast, with, especially with the rhythm guitar. I mean, sorry, the lead guitar as well, of course. There's super shredders mm-hmm. in this style. Oh my god, and they're incredible. But um, you know, the way I was describing it in the workshop with the, um, just as a rhythm guitarist, yeah, there was this one particular gig, you know, where I had to learn an international player, Andreas Oberg was coming to town and I just didn't, I probably should have looked at him. I just didn't know much about him. So I, I left it to the last minute to kind of just get an idea of what he was like as a player. And I was just, yeah, absolutely um, terrified when I watched him on YouTube and was just playing songs at, you know, 100 BPM faster than I'd ever played these songs before. So that was the moment where I really, really was grateful that I had studied the style properly to get that right hand set up with that angle because you end up twisting, I guess, um, rotating the... So the Okay, so if I... I'll, I'll do my best to explain it. So if you put your arm up in the air with the, your fist like pointing towards the sky and then you drop your wrist to the left if you're a righty and you've got, okay, it's, it's going to be somewhere in between a 45, uh, 90, sorry, and a 180 degree angle and you maintain that posture and then you position that so your, play, your pick is going to be striking behind the bridge and when you strum or when you're doing your lead guitar with that, moving from the elbow, like strumming with a straight wrist, and it's just all about the elbow, I couldn't go up to the speeds that we do. I, I could go up to them, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the stamina to play a three-hour gig. It's just 
this uh, angle kind of uh, you release all tension and it's just a lot of momentum you know if you um, another way you can get the posture I guess is pretending you're you you've got a, a lit match and you want to kind of flick it out with your wrist or yeah, maybe yeah. you're shaking water <laughs> off your hand but you know remove all tension and just let it move um, back and forth with momentum and you can do all that all day this episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. The last time I saw some live uh, gypsy jazz, I saw Lola Meyer when he was in Sydney last year on his way to Brisbane for the for the festival, and he was phenomenal. and And Cameron was on rhythm guitar, and I my hat was off to Cameron for playing those rhythm parts all night, which is what which is what you're predominantly doing in, in your gigs too, Miranda. It's, you guys look like the hardest working guys in showbiz. <laughs> I do get that a lot after after gigs. People will come up to me and say, "Well, you just like kept that whole thing together because essentially you you are the a big part of the rhythm section. Often yeah. there isn't a, um, a double bass, mm-hmm. and it's just you know, as a rhythm guitarist, um, maybe a lead guitarist, and then a violin player. So you're essentially providing the harmony and the the percussion. So the um, the style is is really quite percussive but yeah Lolo Meyer is um as yeah we just love him like bring him over he's come over to Australia a couple of times to play at the Osmanush festival I did um played with um him I think one of those times the first time but um many moons ago when I was living in Europe I actually went to the Netherlands and spent a week um just stayed in a caravan at his gypsy camp and uh, learnt with him every day, twice a day, had sessions. So um, that was, I guess, the true experience, uh, I mean, the traditional experience of learning that music that I got to experience, just sitting with someone face-to-face, do this, no, not like that, yes, like that, good, do this, mm, no, yep, yep, got it, okay. So it was just that um, face-to-face, and that's what it's like Um in those gypsy communities when where this music is traditionally passed down from um, you know father to son or um, uncle to nephew or often it is um, very male dominated like uh, it's, it's not super common for um, the females to be playing the guitar um, and yeah it's uh, I guess I've traveled to Europe a few times outside of living in in Paris and uh, I always make the effort to well it's no effort it's just like a passion I'm just like I have to go and get lessons I have to go and do these geeky um juicy jazz guitar camps it's it's um it's that we're so far away and that's just the best place to learn this music is in Europe on the ground with um you know the gypsy and not always gypsy but just those um top level players from France and Netherlands especially. Yeah, cool. So it's very much an um, an oral tradition where, I guess, as you said, it's passed down. You, it's face-to-face. 
sharing the information. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's it's not all day that they're, you know, able to access their father or their, their uncle, but uh, it is a lot, a lot of listening to the records and transcribing as well. But they're, um, you know, just the, those, the camps are, you know, with Lolo, Lolo has, um, I think it's 12 brothers and yeah, there's 12 wow. um, children. So uh, the majority of his brothers and sisters live on the same at the same camp with him. Um, so there's, I don't know, like eight, 90 people in his family just right there. Um, he doesn't, his family isn't um, one of the more musical families in um, over in the Netherlands. The, probably the, the families with the most players would be the Rosenbergs. Um, that's in, sorry, in, in the Netherlands. Um, the, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Yeah, that's just one of the families. Um, I just got to visit um, the Rosenberg camp when I was over there because I got a very epic lesson with Nusha Rosenberg, who's the I would I would say the rhythm king of the world, okay. <laughs> and wow. um, he's the yeah, he's of the Rosenberg trio, which are one of the best gypsy jazz bands in the world, and yeah, extremely inspiring. Really cool. Hey, tell me about your trip. As you said, you've you've been over there a few times, but you actually moved there for for a length of time to Europe to immerse yourself in the style. When when did this happen? Uh, I think that was two thousand and thirteen. So I have a Hungarian passport. My dad's Hungarian. Oh, okay. And I just thought, you know, if if not now, when? You know, when am I going to move over there? And um, I always loved Paris when I'd been I'd been a few times before, and I had a a really good friend there and yeah just I guess I didn't move there for the music I didn't really think about it in that respect even though okay. I had been playing the music and, and probably done you know 500 gigs <laughs> on Gypsy Jazz wow. by then wow. it, it didn't tweak um it was I guess it was more about um France actually I've just um and, and living in Paris spending time there so but when I got there of course I'm like oh, the next night um Moreno the next night it was just incredible and um and Chavolo Schmidt um you know all these guys that you know in these local bars you know and you know just hang out with them and and you know I got to play with most of them really um eventually they realized I could play pretty well and invited me up so yeah it was a super special time and I <laughs> I just yeah, I, I really took it for granted, <laughs> for sure. Now that I'm in Australia, sure. I'm like, damn, I should have got some footage of me playing with Angelo de Barra, you know. Um, yeah, it was good times. So you mentioned it's a very male-oriented scene in the, you know, the, the passing it down to, to the sons or the, the nephews. Um, but it sounds like you're pretty warmly welcomed as well. Is in terms of women being involved in the style, has that changed? Do you think in in recent years or recent times? hundred oh, percent. There are some phenomenal um, uh, gypsy jazz guitarists, female gypsy jazz guitarists around. But still, like I would just say, a couple of handfuls, <laughs> which is you know sure. there would be a million handfuls of the guys, but they're they are around and they're they're really good, um, really incredible. But yeah, at the time. You know, for for the first probably ten years that I was, because I've been playing this music for about fifteen, coming up to sixteen years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people would be like, "Oh wow, you're the first uh, female 
gypsy jazz guitarists I've ever seen or you know so yeah that was happening a lot but not not so much nowadays which is awesome but yeah, yeah cool. still it's still super rare I would say in comparison yeah hey you've got a course coming up um, I know you do a lot of teaching one-on-one but you, you're putting on a uh, a small group course and as I mentioned early in the, the interview I got to attend I guess maybe it was a taster sort of a session for for your rhythm guitar and repertoire workshop do you want to tell us a bit about that what what that's going to look like yeah so that's going to be four weeks just focused on la pompe which is the term we use for the the main swing rhythm of gypsy jazz so swing is the predominant style that we play under that gypsy jazz umbrella but we also play other styles like gypsy bossa bolero waltzes um yeah a couple of other ones in there but less i guess um less common um but this this one is all about la pompe because i guess that was the style that when i got to paris i really got schooled in you know i'd done you know hundreds of gigs and everyone was like oh you're such a good rhythm you know just you know loving me and then i got there and they're like yeah but um <laughs> so it was, wow. yeah they really they i actually kind of had to unlearn a little bit and then um just yeah recalibrate everything and really go back to basics and yeah and and now i feel you know extremely confident to play with anyone in the world really like all the top players because i know that i've learned with um you know french the french players i've learned with the dutch players i um the parisians which i find even have a different style so they're all everyone has a, a slightly different style but i find i can modify and adapt quite easily now it's it looks kind of easy actually a lot of people i mean a lot of people will say wow it looks like hard work but in terms of what you're doing just four downstrokes per bar it doesn't look crazy uh you know difficult but it's actually there's a lot going on a lot of subtle nuances in the left hand need to be developed um you know i'm obviously teaching this so i i know how long it takes it's it's not um you don't get it straight away and you, because you can't hear um the difference straight away or you're just not used to um yeah just just needing that much uh, control i guess and then the right hand again you know you need to be super accurate in both hands because we want this consistency of um sound we want volume um tone because you've just got to sound like a super tight rhythm section providing harmony and percussion so it's it's yeah it's um it's a journey to get it super tight so this course will be focused on setting people up with those foundations so they know what they need to be doing and it will take longer than four weeks to get it all tight but we'll also be um working on you know the chords that are common in gypsy jazz so i'll give all of those out um so we'll be working on some standards, Gypsy Jazz standards that use that La Pompe feel. Um, also talk, you know, a bit of cultural info. It's just good for people to have a bit of an idea of the um, what it's like, I guess, um, you know, a little bit about the origins, but also just what it's like at jam sessions. <laughs> you know, yeah, even sure. just like that cultural info because that's got a culture in itself the jam session so yeah i guess it's um a lot of q a as well we'll be doing video i'll be doing video revisions uh for everybody to i'll be kind of revive uh, i guess um giving my feedback 
on these videos, but to everyone in the group, because everyone's going to encounter the same issues. So it's really going to be valuable for them to hear me say these things many, many, many times. I Sometimes I joke with my students, you know, it's about um, seven touch points of marketing. <laughs> you know, it, often I will say the same thing over and over again, but because there's a lot going on, it takes time. So yeah, it'll be about, um, you know, learning the chords that you need, um, teaching people how to read the chord charts, how to simplify chords, that's a big one. You know, with jazz, you can get super, super um, complex chords, but you don't always need to be playing them to sound good and sound legit in this style. Cool, sounds great. Yeah. Sounds cool. As yeah, I mentioned, the, the session I sat in on was so fun and um, yeah, it's just, I mean, you look at the rhythm on the chart and you go, yep, I got this. And then you jumped into it and all the, all the nuance, it's full on. And I've been playing for a long time because it was a whole new world. It was, it was challenging, but that, that was fun. Do you know what? I haven't dropped a pick um, that many times since I was like 13. So <laughs> <laughs> trying to get that big, yeah, you... that big sound. <laughs> so, um, did you, did you uh, try my trick of, you know, put it, rubbing your finger and thumb on your nose to get, you know, a bit of the natural oils on the pick? I, so I did towards bit... the end, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. And then I had sideways. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I already played a thick pick. We <laughs> Picks are funny. Like I play like a two mil pick or something every day. Um, that's a bit of a lightweight for, for you guys. It can be. Yeah. It can be. I, yeah, I mean... Probably my favourite is a 2.5. Okay. Um, but some people go, yeah, two. I'd say most people play with two minimum. Okay. I do have picks that go up to seven mil. I think I showed you on the yeah. um, on the intro Crazy. to Gypsy Jazz workshop. It looks like a bar of soap, yeah. and I wouldn't recommend purchasing it. Um, yeah, but look, most people I know don't play anything thicker than three, maybe okay. three point five. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Hey, tell us about the Jazz Manouche Journal, which you launched this year. Yeah, so that's a little publication which celebrates the music, the musicians and the culture of Gypsy Jazz. So we've got interviews, album reviews. It's just supposed to be really inspiring and also, yeah, an insight into that culture. So I'm trying to get – I'm just working on the second one now. So I really do want to be um, always – interviewing a Sinti musician just to kind of keep connected to those, the culture and those origins and just, um, yeah, give people an insight into another beautiful culture out there. Um, and probably the favourite, my most favourite part of the journal last time for the first issue was the Q&A I did with musicians. So okay. I've got the journal here, so I'll just read the question that I asked them. Um, so we asked five musicians to give an example of how they approach building speed in their playing. And when I got those responses back, I was just like, uh, I don't know, I was just, I'm like, damn, this is so good. I love this. You know, I'm loving that I'm extracting this gold out of these musicians. And I don't know if they've, you know, beyond their, um, of course, they would tell their one-on-one -on -one students, but everyone's got good stuff, but then they've got gold as well. And I feel like I really really got some amazing stuff and, and I'm a teacher but there were a couple of things that I was like wow yeah that's an excellent way of explaining it and I'd never thought of it like that or 
Yeah, so um, if, yeah, if anyone's keen to uh, subscribe to the Jasmineush Journal, they can get in touch with me and I can send them issue number one. And then, of course, when issue number two comes out, which will be in the near future, um, yeah, they can get in touch. Just, um, you know, send me a DM on Instagram um, or email me at miranda.doid.gmail.com and say, hey, I want a copy. <laughs> I'll yeah, send it cool. on through. Excellent. That sounds really, really good. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's the best way for people to get in touch? So you mentioned your Insta and your email. Um, and for the course coming up, um, are they the best places for people to find out about it? And um, I know you start on the 16th of August. Once this interview is published, it's only a couple of days, but if people hear this and want to jump yeah. on, what's the best way? Yeah, um, just send an email to miranda.deutsch at gmail.com and yeah, I'll, I'll sort you out. So it will be starting um, this Monday, the 16th. It's 7 p.m., 7 to 8.15 p.m. Uh, every Monday for four weeks. That's Australian Eastern Standard Time. So um, yeah, even if you're you know a little late, I can, I can squeeze you in if you're super keen. It will be a small group, which will be awesome. So we'll get, um, you know, this music's really about community and connection and, you know, growing together, encouragement, um, all of that. So we'll be able to do that with a small group. I mean, it's just honestly a reflection of the style itself. It's just usually small groups, unless you go to the Django Reinhardt Festival in France and then it's just, uh -huh. you know, people everywhere make up. Um, yes, but my Instagram is Miranda underscore Gypsy Jazz underscore guitar. But if you just search for Miranda Gypsy Jazz, you'll me pop up for sure you can send me a dm as well cool awesome i'll leave um i'll leave those links in the show notes as well people want to find that there unreal well miranda thank you so much it's been really cool talking to you today yeah i find the whole style fascinating and love the way you taught it the other night and yeah encourage people to check out check out your stuff through those links thanks so much for having me matt it's been a pleasure All right, there you go, Miranda Deutsch on the show. Great to speak with her, great guitar player and such an advocate for the style too and building up the community around it. I love that. Please check out Miranda's links in the show notes. My thanks also to Fretboard Biology for sponsoring today's episode. Again, the links are in the show notes for that online guitar course. All right, thanks so much for joining me. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. And in the words of German rocker Michael Schenker, Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking indeed. Catch you next time. Bye now.